Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Hi, my name is Dan. <laughs> and I'm an addict. Hi, my name's, and I'm an alcoholic. That as you, we, we know, we get to know those words as a way that maybe the healing begins with addiction. And as we start to talk about it today, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, there, there is addiction. There is uh, the addiction to alcohol, so you can be an alcoholic, you can be a drug addict. Um, and, and one of the things to start with, I think, first of all, is before we, we look at you know, whether or not we would lay, label a person as an addict or an alcoholic or someone who just abuses drugs or abuses um, alcohol, that first of all, when we begin to have these conversations, it's important we understand exactly what we're talking about. And so, for instance, this is a definition of being an alcohol or being an addict in addiction. Addiction is a brain disorder characterized by compulsive engagement in rewarding stimuli despite adverse consequences. And I want you to think about that and because I'm going to read it again. Addiction is, first of all, it's a brain disorder. To understand that, that as we talked about mental illness last week, this is a continuation of this, that, that individuals, as they struggle with addiction, there is a, 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 a brain disorder as part of this. This is part of mental illness, is a component of it. Characterized by compulsive engagement in rewarding stimuli, so in that moment you, you really enjoy that or it's something that you want, despite adverse consequences, which means after all of these things, there is a hangover. There, there is something that you look at the damage that you've done and you realize you, you've, you're destroying your life. And I think the part of this, that, that if you're someone who is working with an addict, that what you focus on the most is the adverse consequences. And you, you focus on what it costs you. And so I, I wrote down a, a little bit. I, I was looking at the costs, and this is the estimated cost that addiction costs the United States in a year is $740 billion. And I think that amount is too low. And the reason why I know that is I know individuals in this room right now who, in an effort to help, have given 5000 10,000, 50,000, 200,000, their house, everything that they have, they have given up, and may, maybe some might even say enable someone with addiction to pay for court costs, to, to, to try to get them help. And so when you, you look at that cost, that, that's, that's just the dollar amount. That's not the cost. That's a dollar amount. And for those who are going through it and those with them, it's, you know that there are other costs that are, are, are even more expensive. These are all from people I know. So, so as you hear these things, if you think I'm talking about you specifically, I'm not. What's happening, though, is, is these are repeated things. One individual, I lost my marriage, 
job, and family all in one month. The drinking had been happening for two years, but when it all came crashing down, it was in one month. Then I have the breathing device on my car. Oh my goodness. When I went to traffic school, I went because I ran a red light, and I did, but I had to go for eight hours. But you, when you go to traffic school, it's not only people who run red lights, I also went with people who were pulled over for DUI. And in just in our room, there were $80,000 of lawyer bills that they had paid already, not to mention the breathing devices and, and the monitoring of that and that cost and what that is like for having that in your car and having to see that. In our prayer requests, moms, I'm just telling you, we're praying with you, and dads too, but moms, it seems like more are the prayer warriors that are, are praying for their kids. They're kids that are... 18, their kids that are 25, their kids that are 50 years old. That, that it, it's no respecter of age. That as we look at this, that, that, that it costs these relationships with families as well. We read the prayers. The prayerless will break your heart. Praying for my sister who's still a prostitute, not mine, the, in the prayer request. <laughs> but as we look at this, that it is, the, the, praying for my sister who's still a prostitute on the street because that's the only way she can pray for her drug habit. Praying for relief from the guilt because my boyfriend that I used to do drugs with is dead. And that's what finally got me into recovery right now. Individuals who have lost their children, the ability to be around their kids because of their drug and alcohol individuals saying, the person that I live with is a stranger, that alcohol has changed them. It makes them in, into someone that I don't know. I don't need to tell you the stories, I guess, because you're the one telling them to me. I, I'm the one who has a front row seat and recognize that the cost of addiction, all of us, all of us pay for it in one way or another. And the message as we begin today is, is very important for you to hear. Very important, so listen, listen clearly. If you are someone who struggles with abusing alcohol or drugs, or if you are someone who is an addict or an alcoholic, we love you. We care about you. And there is a place for you here. And there is a place in God's kingdom for you as well. And for those who are struggling Next to someone who has drug and alcohol, we see you too. We see the cost and the pain that, that is caused by it. And so today, as we, we come into this message, this is a message of hope. This is a message of hope, and this is a message of a new beginning moving forward. And, and to recognize that, that we understand we're, we're, we're not just going to give platitudes about this. We're not going to give simple answers and pretend that there are simple fixes. We're not going to pretend that this is something you can just pray about or even that a person can just like that can just stop because it is not that simple. But as we hear this message, this is also just as important. All of us, and again, Give me a little bit of grace when I say this so you make sure you hear me. Using the definition of addiction is a, characterized by compulsive engagement in rewarding stimuli despite adverse consequences. In a broader definition, 
In a broader, in a narrow definition, not everyone here is an addict. But in a broader definition, using the example of that I do things that I don't want to do that cause consequences later that hurt me and those I love, if you're going to use that one, we're all addicts. Unless your behavior is perfect, unless you never do anything you don't ever regret, there's a message here for you to learn as well. And so today, let's begin, let's take this walk together as we look at addiction and, and see the, the hope that God gives and, and the hope that is out there for all of us. Let's go to the first fill-in. The first, first truth to understand about addiction is that I may have a drinking or a drug problem, but I definitely have a thinking problem. I work with people with addiction every week, almost every day of the week. And so in the last couple of weeks, as I was getting ready for this message, that I, I asked them, and I'll, I'm going to end with this as well, just so you know, but, but I asked all of them, what is one thing that as you are battling addiction, what is the one like aha thing or, or that has really helped you uh, as you've gone forward? And almost all of them said, there's an issue with my thought process. That, that as I look at it, that, that in my thinking, and so the thinking might be you justifying your drinking, that, that as you're doing it, say, hey, I work hard all day. Hey, hey, this isn't affecting my work. Hey, I'm not, a, I'm not an alcoholic. I've never gotten a DUI. I, I'm, I'm, I'm able to manage my life. And so they can justify what they do. They can rationalize their drinking. They can look at all the things they haven't screwed up, which is constantly shrinking, and say, this is, this is not a problem for me. Another part of it, so there's a justification, rationalization part of it. But then there's also, <laughs> almost, I'm going to say always, something underneath, that there is a pain and there is a hurt that the alcohol and drugs, it's not trying to make them feel better. It's just trying to make them stop feeling that pain for the moment. That's what I heard. And, and so as we look at that, you can see in the midst of this, that in addiction, in a, in a very emotional topic, there's all losers in this, in, in the cost of it. And so where do we go? Where do we go for hope? And we go to God and his word to start in 1 Peter 1. It says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed that is coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy... So be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now, let's look at that a little at a time. First of all, is with minds that are alert and fully sober. This was back probably 10 years ago. I went to visit a guy who had an ankle bracelet and was under house arrest after his 10th DUI. 10! And, and, and so... When, when I'm talking with him, he says to me, they're picking on me. I'm actually really good at driving when I've been drinking. 
And, and, and I think that's the part of it is this, is that he thinks that because he's not sober. And so there might be someone else with him who's been drinking too, and they say, I agree, I thought he was driving great. And that's because you're not sober, you're not thinking properly. And so that's the first part of this, is as you begin with sober thinking, but here's the deal. Everyone here lacks sober thinking, even if you've never drank anything or done drugs in your life. Because you can be drunk on self-righteousness. You can be drunk on anger. You can be drunk not thinking in a sober manner because of pain and hurt and heartache. Anything that distorts your way of thinking makes it so you are not sober. And for that reason, when it comes to driving, police officers have a breathalyzer, and they also do a field sobriety test, right? That you, you've seen it before. Yeah, walk this line, do this, say, say these words, and we can tell. We can tell by looking at your pupils if, if you're sober or not. But there's not a spiritual sobriety test other than to listening to stupid things we say that come out of this mouth. And probably the one thing that, w- that would be the, the sobriety test for a Christian, a very simple field test is this. Are the words that are coming out of my mouth loving towards God and loving towards others? And, and if they aren't, you fail the test. You're not thinking clearly, and, and you need to sober up in your thought process. We'll get to that in a moment. But then he goes on. So set your hope on the grace to be brought when Jesus Christ is revealed. Part of this is recognizing Jesus Christ as, as working in this world. That, that, that it's easy to, to see maybe he's not. How can this happen? How can this be so hard if, it, if he's here? And so the pr- first part of the thought process is grace and looking at undeserved love. And then the second part is when it talks about you, need to ch- you don't live that way anymore. Now, as we have God's grace, we live a holy life. So let's do the fill-in first. So if, if this is a thinking problem, the first question is, how, what do I think about myself? What do you think about yourself? And what God tells you to think about yourself is that he has made you Holy. He has made you holy, which means set apart for a special purpose. As you think about this, I want you to think, uh, this will help you, I hope, understand what we're talking about. You are set apart for a special purpose. So right now, we are getting, gearing up towards a building program here at Crosswalk. And at, over by 59th Avenue and Baseline is where we have our land, and we are going to build a building. And that building is set apart for a special purpose, right? That it's going to be the place where we come and and have worship services and things like that. But one of the things we've talked about is the possibility of using that building during the week, seven days a week for for public use and, and different things that will bring people onto our campus and make it a place where everyone feels welcome and things are done. So what we're, what we're thinking of is uh, probably, number one, the biggest money maker for us to be able to fund the building would be a drive-through alcohol place that we would have go through. 
um, possibly a gentleman's club uh, during, during the week. And you hear that and you're like, what is wrong with you? That is so wrong on so many different levels. How can you think of that? Because that's a house of God. And it's set apart for a special purpose. Here's the newsflash. God doesn't live in buildings. God tells us that the church, where he takes up residence, is inside of you. And, and the, the challenge in the way of thinking is to be able to look at yourself as sanctified, set apart as a building is. Because you would say, I would never let that happen. But when those things come towards us and the addiction comes and the stimuli come, that we look at ourselves, and let's be honest, it's loathing ourselves. I'm going back to this again and again. I'm trash. I suck. I'm a loser. I'm, I'm horrible. I, I hate myself. God says, no, no. You are set apart for a special purpose Like the new building that will be built for a purpose of worshiping and praising me, that is what you are today. So how can that be? Let's go to the next part. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. So yeah, there's a lot. This is hard. As I live my life, uh, that, that as I look at, there's places to fall all around me. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. There needs to be a perfect person in your life, but that perfect person is not you. The perfect person in my life, the the lamb without blemish or defect is Jesus Christ. He is the one who came and gave his life for mine. He is the one who has done the same for you. Getting out of addiction is not a matter of, and, and we've already said the cost, all these things that we're paying, all the cost, and where has it gotten us? Nowhere. All it's gotten us is now with more things to have to pay for that I can't afford. Let's do the first fill-in. How do I think about getting clean? And when I say getting clean, I I am talking about addiction, right? That's the terminology. Am I clean? Am I off the drugs? Am I off the alcohol? Am I off all of these things? How do I think about getting clean? Now, don't worry about the rest of the fill-ins for a little bit. We need to look at the word redeem. 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 I need to be redeemed. And, and it's so vital for you to understand this word. And so to understand, I'm going to use a story. Imagine that I uh, decide I want to make some money here in Levine. And so what I do is I'm going to rent out some cotton fields over south of Dobbins, over by 51st Avenue in that area. And so what I do is I'm able to rent a number of cotton fields for two years at the cost of $1 million. But I, I, I believe that I can make $2 million during that time period. So I do it. And, and this is, I'm living back at the time of Jesus, okay? So imagine it way back at that time that I'm doing this. 
And then I realize I have the land rented, but I never secured water rights. And now I have a million dollars worth of debt and farm fields, and I can't raise anything. Two years come, and, and the person comes and says, you owe me the million dollars, and I have nothing. And so what I would do is I would do what every good Jewish man would do. I would sell my kids into slavery. Yeah. That, that, and, and, and stay with me. And, and for, for my sons, I'd probably get 50000 a son. For my daughters, 100000 because they're kind of cute. But so, so that's still two hundred. that's $350,000. So then I would do the next thing that, that he would do, and that is sell my wife into slavery. And for those of you who know her, that's $250,000, so that's good. <laughs> but I'm still, I'm still at 700000 and so finally I sell myself into slavery. Now, you might say, well, why didn't you do that first? And the reason why is because if my kids are in slavery, I can still work and I can spend my time getting money so that I can buy them back from slavery. But once I'm in slavery, all of us are done. Enter, they didn't have bankruptcy. But what they did have is something called a kinsman redeemer. And your kinsman redeemer, kinsman, your nearest blood relative, who if you ever got into a debt like that, would make the payments to release you from slavery because you can't get out by yourself. Every Jewish person, when they heard this word that you are redeemed, would understand that this is a debt I can't get out of by myself. And you need to understand that with with addiction, you must be redeemed. No one gets out by themselves. You can get in by yourself, just like debt. But when it comes to this, once you're in the slavery of it, it's a release that comes only from God. In the blank, you can write, how do I think about getting clean? Number one, I can't do it by myself. For those of you who are in Alcoholics Anonymous, the the terminology is I need a higher power. I can't do it by myself. My life is unmanageable. I can't do it. Next, I need a greater power than myself, a power greater than myself, a higher power, whatever you want to call it. The next one, the powerful and precious blood of Jesus redeems me. It sets me free from slavery. And this is just, the the question underneath that is just for you to consider, how has your addiction made you a slave? Oh my goodness. The serving that you have to do. The things that it won't let you do, that it makes you do. Addiction is a horrible, horrible, horrible master that we are not subject to anymore. One other thing. I'm just going to throw one more illustration in here because someone shared it with me and it's such a good one. And, the, and what it is, is, is how elephants, how they are able to keep elephants um, from, from going all over the place because they're so strong. And, and so person was telling me what they do is when an elephant is very young, they put a rope on its leg and they, they tighten it and then they, they put like cement and stakes in the ground and they, that elephant pulls against it And it probably does it for like a day or two. And then for the rest of its life, if you put a rope around it, it will not pull away. 
because it believes that that is, it goes back to the memory and the thought patterns, this has me and I can't get away. And it just makes me think so much of addiction. And, and what it comes, and, and anyone who's gone through it, and you know there's a failure component to this. You know how hard it is when you try to stop. And, and, and what happens is as you pull and pull, you're like, I can't do this, this is too strong. What God is telling us is there is also a release. That that's part of the thinking process, is to understand I've been set free. I need to enjoy this freedom. It's there for me. To the next page. He was chosen before the creation of the world, meaning Jesus, but he was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God. So Jesus is this, the way that we know who God is, who raised him from the dead and glorified him so that your faith and your hope This is the best part. Your faith and hope are not in yourself. Your faith and your hope for the future and how this is going to be better is not in yourself. Been there before. Been in the hopeless situations. Tried to stop. I can't do this. I don't have the strength. The good news is the strength and the hope isn't from you. It is from God. In the blank, you can write, how do I think about my future? How do I think about my future? This is the rethinking process. As I look towards my future, I have, you have hope. You have hope for the future because I am letting God control it. No longer me, but it is God who controls it. The importance of hope. A friend of mine sent me a devotion a couple weeks back about hope and how God gives us hope. And one of the, the, the illustration in his devotion was about a man named Viktor Frankl who was in World War II in a concentration camp. And, and, and he was telling the story about right towards the end of the war when, when it, they were just about the Allied forces were close and they believed that at any day they would be there. And the most people to die in his camp during any period of time was between Christmas and New Year's of that year. And the reason why is everyone in that concentration camp thought they're going to be here by Christmas. They're going to be here by Christmas. They're going to be here by Christmas. And, And what happened is Christmas came, and when the troops didn't come and the release didn't come, individuals gave up hope. And, and, and so it wasn't that they were worked harder, it wasn't that there was less food, it wasn't that the other circumstances, the only circumstance that changed was the loss of hope. And more people died in that time period because of a, of a false hope and a hope that was never realized or the loss of a hope, a loss died of a broken heart in essence. And it was only a few days later that the troops came and set them free. They lost hope. Don't underestimate the power of hope, people. And, and understand that you have it. As long as your Savior is alive, which he is, our faith and our hope are in God. And the final words. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have a sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable, but of imperishable seed, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass. Yeah, we're all like grass. We're weak. It's going to be going away. 
All the people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. He says it a little different way. In, uh, Paul says it a little differently. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing greatness comes from God and not from us. He says it this way, where there's, we're like grass that is here today, gone tomorrow, but God is there forever. That is, that is where our hope is, and so we surround ourselves with that. In the blank, you can write, how do I think about those around me? How do I think about those around me? I will forgive as Christ has forgiven me. I will forgive as Christ has forgiven me. And I will surround myself with people who truly love me and encourage me in my sober thinking. As, as we look at this, this is an encouragement to look at your surroundings. And, and chances are, if you are in a very difficult drug and alcohol environment, you need to remove yourself from that. That, that, that adds to this. As I already said, there, there is a definitely a physical part of the withdrawal from drugs and alcohol. And, and, it, and it takes a very big physical, biological toll. There is also a, a very big emotional toll as you begin to work through these things. And as you do that, the question is, are those, as I look at those that I surround myself with, are they going to be individuals who encourage me on this walk, or are they ones who, who pull me back? And so the first person that we have to deal with is ourselves. And that as we look at it, the powerful, how powerful not forgiving is. Or, or, or how the bitterness that comes as a result of a lack of forgiveness, what that does to you. Well, I've said this before, and, and you've probably heard this, that when you don't forgive someone else and you become bitter, it's like taking poison and expecting the other person to die. That, that it doesn't hurt them. A lack of a forgiving heart does not hurt the person you don't forgive. What it does is it rots your heart. And that's why as we pray the Lord's Prayer and we pray for God's forgiveness, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, it starts with Christ's forgiveness, the forgiveness we don't deserve, the redemption that we don't deserve, the debt that has been paid for us. And as that relationship with God is restored and we understand what it is like to live receiving forgiveness, that then we become dispensers of that same forgiveness in our lives. Whatever hate from the past, the person that you despise, let it go. Take it to the cross. Take your sins to the cross, but take others as well. Seeking forgiveness that comes from you and knowing that forgiveness comes from God. Three things I was told by individuals who struggle with addiction for encouragement for you as you go forward. These things were from people who are sitting right next to you today. Number one is you need to think differently. 
We've gone through some of the things, how I look at myself, how I look at God, how I look at forgiveness, how I look at other people, all of these things. It's going to take a constant rethinking from what I'm doing now and understand this thought process is getting me nowhere. So I need to think differently. A second thing that I was told is you need to replace that when you take out a drinking, when you take out a, a, a drug use, that you start to get a void in your life and it's like having a, a best buddy no longer with you. And you have to learn, relearn how to live life with things that, that fill that void in a healthy way. And so it's things like, it can be like working out, getting to know the people you've been living with for years, but, but you've lived separate lives with your alcohol and your drugs and now relearning how to live together. Replacing it as you take time in prayer uh, before things get too bad, that you, you make prayer a way to keep you from being running at like a 200 degree level where you're ready to boil over. Deal with these things early. Deal with problems early, the things that are on your heart. On a, on a daily basis, letting go of the hate and the hurt and all of that. So, replace, so think differently. Secondly is replace with something healthy. And the third one is surround yourself. Surround yourself with people who love and care about you, who are, show unconditional love for you. And so as we look at what that looks like today, if, if you feel like you are someone who is alone, that, that you are going on this journey alone, I, I don't know if it's possible for you with the person with the addiction in your life to start there with your safe place. Because so much hurt and so much damage, so much distrust that, that it might have to be with, with other people. And so whether it, you're at a point where you might have to be someone who goes in for a 30, 60, 90 day rehab program, that, that after that it might look like Alcoholics Anonymous and uh, intensive outpatient therapy as you start to get the tools that you need. And then also, there's a component too. At your, I'm going to make sure I want to make this clear. I'm saying do those things by all means. Use all of those because it is a physical problem. It is a mental problem, and professionals can help you very much, especially in the part where there is mental illness. But also understand that the, the love and the support and the way that we think as children of God and the spiritual component is also a very important part of this and can help you as you surround yourself with people who, who love and care about you. I know your life is a mess. <laughs> so is mine. And I know what it's like because you give me the privilege of, of standing around and being a cheerleader for you, uh, of being a person to help you up, of being a person to encourage you, a person who helps you on a day like today hopefully rethink uh, how, how you are going about your life. But by all means, leave here today most of all with hope. There is hope in the middle of addiction for every single person in this room. And maybe today that hope it is what you need most to take the next step. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, <laughs> addiction affects so many people.
and uh, it hurts us all. Uh, there, no one in this room is unscathed by the, the, the pain that comes from addiction. Lord, help all those with addiction think about themselves differently. Help, help them to see themselves just like a, a brand new church building, Lord, made clean, made for a specific purpose, set apart. That is what each one of them are. Help them to look at themselves and see themselves like you see them. And let all the rest of us do that as well. And now, Lord, as we go from here with, with our, our thoughts aligned, recognizing the forgiveness that we've been given and a forgiveness that we can share, Help us to surround ourselves, whether that be uh, in an AA program or our resilient ministry or a growth group or whatever it is, Lord, help us to, to be around people who truly love us deeply and that we can love as well. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. Wow. This has been, you know, the no help at all. It's been crazy. A lot of things talking about it. I know a lot of emotion, a lot of, of things as conversations begin and continue. And it's my prayer that as you take these things, uh, again, remember, this is about perfection, Christ's perfection for us, his redemption, his setting us free, and, and focusing and, and setting our thoughts on him. And as you go, go with his blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a great day.